Good morning. I want to welcome you to the service this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship and to praise with us. We've had a wonderful song service this morning, and I hope that the words that I bring to you this morning will bring you closer, uh, not only to one another, but closer to God. And I would like you to take notice uh, of the title of the lesson this morning, if you will. It's going to be all right. No, really, it's going to be all right. You see, the glory of God and of Him sending His Son, we find in the book of Ecclesiastes, as Solomon was writing the solutions and the things that he had found in his great experiment, he said there in chapter 3 and verse 11, That God had put in the heart of man eternity. And if God has put in the heart of you and I eternity, then we believe His Word. And in the end, God and His Son wins. Which means that we, as His children, win also. We're going to take a verse from the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. But before we open that up, I want to challenge you this week, if I may. I want to challenge you this week to commit to study the book of Hebrews. Because the book of Hebrews, written by Paul, was written to a group who was ready to give up. They were ready to give up the liberty and the freedom that they had in Christ because the weight of the world was on them to go back to the old ways. The book of Hebrews was written to a people who were ready to throw in the towel, to throw up their hands and say, I'm done. And Paul said, don't give up. But moreover, I would challenge you to read Hebrews the 11th chapter. Hebrews the 11th chapter, as you know, tells us about those people of old time of faith. And when you read through the book of Hebrews, and you get to the 11th chapter there, as you read those those names, I hope that it will stir your hearts and your minds to think about the life that those people led for you in glory to God. And I want you to notice verse 38. If you have a Bible or you're taking notes, I want you to take note of verse 38 there. Paul, as he's writing, gives us these names and he tells us about those of faith who were pleasing to God. And then he says, I don't have the time or the space to name all of those who were faithful. And verse 38 says, of whom the world was not worthy. But I want you to look at verse 39. Verse 39 says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. 
God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. I want you to know what Paul's saying to you this morning. You ever thought about Abraham? Or Moses? King David? Gideon? Do you have any effect on the life of Abraham or Moses, Sarah, Rahab? Do you have any effect on those prophets who were mocked and stoned? Do you have any effect on the life of Peter? Paul? If you don't think so, you better go back and look at what Paul wrote there. Paul said all those great people of faith had not yet obtained the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they apart from or without us, should not be made whole. So I'd ask again, do you think your life has an impact? You ever thought about how your, your life impacts the promise that Moses would receive? The promise that Abraham would receive. So I want you to notice verse, uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So Paul here thought it necessary in writing to the Hebrews. To give them a background and say, you understand the life of Abraham. In fact, I'm going to go back a little further and I want to talk to you about the faith of Noah. I want to talk to you about the faith of Abel and of Sarah and of King David. I want you to understand the life of faith that those people led. But all of those people not yet received the promise even though the world was not worthy of them because God provided something better for us and in giving those names he says wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us I want to break down this verse for you this this morning I want us to go through this verse together and I want us to understand what Paul was saying to you and I. Wow. It's those big thumbs. I don't have a texting thumb, I have a big thumb. We're going to start with where he said, We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. 
Who is the cloud of witnesses? It was funny, Brandon. It's okay to laugh. Brandon's laughing at my big thumbs. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, of whom is Paul speaking? You know, I always thought that as Paul was speaking, that because he had previously said that all the people he had named, that Paul was speaking of those people he had named. That he had just called to memory all the great people of the Old Testament who were people of faith. But I want you to know that Paul used a term there that's very important. It's the word compassed or compassed about. That word means surrounded. I assure you that the words that were inspired for these people to write for you and I were the words that God had chosen. And Paul said, Wherefore seeing we also are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Paul said this, wherefore, see, wherefore seeing we also are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let me make this more clear for you. Paul writing to the church at Galatia said in Galatians the 5th chapter Verse 13, for brethren, we have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. If Paul was writing to the Hebrews in saying, don't give up, just as they of old were surrounded by people of faith, wherefore, seeing we also are surrounded by a great cloud of of witnesses. You know what Paul wrote to the church at Galatia? John, a few weeks ago, wherever he is, John had a wonderful lesson in which he talked about we're never alone. We're never alone because we always have the Savior. But I want to bring it a little closer to home to you. You're never alone because you have the Savior. And you better never be alone because we have each other. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia and said, Hey, brothers and sisters, by love, serve one another. Peter wrote in his first epistle, chapter 3 and verse 8, Finally, by you all, be ye all of one mind. Having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. P Peter is writing there, 
And He's talking to you and I about who we should be. But not just who we should be, He's writing who we should be one to another. Hebrews the 10th chapter and verse 24. Earlier here in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews the 10th chapter and verse 24, He writes, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Paul evidently thought it was important during this time of encouraging the Hebrews never to give up. He thought it was important to say this, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. What's that term, consider, mean? Is it just by luck that I showed up here this morning? Is it just by chance that you decided this morning was the right morning to come here? If that's the case, I want to change that for you this morning. Because Paul wrote something important about you and I in this verse. He said, let us consider. What does it mean to consider one another? When we talk about one another, considering means it's more than just chance that you and I are here together this morning. When we talk about considering, it means that it's more than simply something we do. It's something meaningful. It's something intentional. It's something thought-provoking. It means that we are brought to one another's minds. You know, as Paul was writing to the Hebrews and said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. I'll say from what Paul wrote here in these scriptures, it is this. If you, at any time during this life, are alone, then you and I have failed. If at any time in this life you are alone, then you and I have failed. You have failed in letting yourself be loved and served. And I have failed in letting myself be the instrument of his love and service. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. I want you to notice something in particular there about what Paul is writing as he's writing here in the first verse of chapter 12. After he's gone through this list of names and telling about all the things of faith that they have done in encouraging this church and saying, hey, eternity's in your heart. Be faithful to the one who gave his son for you. He said, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. 
In effect, what was he telling them to do? Second Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. So what was Paul writing to the Hebrews? Broadly, he was writing, examine yourselves. Broadly, he was writing to them saying, take note of your life. The word prove there in 2 Corinthians 13 chapter means test your own selves. When was the last time that you took an honest assessment about you? When was the last time you took an honest assessment about your life? I want you to notice something. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get caught up in the idea of sin. And we need to. We need to examine ourselves every day to test that sin is not in our lives. But Paul took it further there. Paul said, there's some things that hold you back. Paul said, there are some things that keep you from God. There are some things that weigh you down. I want you to notice. He said, throw away that sin. Throw aside that sin. But he said there was something else. He said, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. You know what he said? He said, we've got such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us cast aside, let us throw away, let us get rid of that sin and the weight that weighs us down, that keeps us in place. What would that refer to? Is sickness sin? You know, one of the saddest things on a Sunday morning, one of the saddest things on a Sunday morning is the prayer list. And it seems like lately the prayer list gets longer and longer. But you know what the Bible says? What Paul encouraged the Hebrews with? Don't let that weight hold you back from the Savior. Whatever it takes, cast it aside. Examine your life. You know, in, in, in talking about examining our lives, there was a statement that Paul made in 2 Corinthians chapter. 10th chapter and verse 12, he said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. 
You know what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth was this. The worst thing for you to do is to decide that good enough is good enough. See, God created you for a purpose. He didn't create you for the purpose of being better than Ian Jones. He didn't create you for the purpose of being better than Kelly McDonough. He created you for the purpose of being the best you. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying is if you're striving to be among the group and that's good enough for you, then you're not living up to what God created you to do. If what you're striving for is to be a little better than the next person, then you're not doing what God created you to do. So what Paul was saying was, you examine you in light of the will of God. Not in the light of man's eyes. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, in verse 16. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, later in this chapter. Paul writes, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Esau was hungry. Esau had something in his life that he wanted to make full. You know what Esau didn't do? Esau didn't examine that hunger, that desire, in light of the big picture of eternity. You know the saddest thing? is that Esau's failure, it says that he sought repentance with tears. But he found no place for it. Why is that? When you look at the life of Judas Iscariot, when you look at the life of Esau, you know what those two men have in common? The Bible says they sought repentance. They knew what they were going after. But they failed to obtain it. Did Judas Iscariot and Esau fail to obtain repentance because God refused it to them? The answer is no. Because repentance is unique to the person seeking it. Judas and Esau failed to examine their lives 
and lay aside the weights and the sin that were weighing them down. And finally, Paul writes, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know what Paul tells us in this little phrase about life? It ain't easy. You know what you don't have to be with something that's easy? Something that's quick? You don't have to be patient. It's great. It happens. It's done. It's easy. You know what it takes to run a long distance? I don't know because I don't do it. Kidding. Uh, What it takes to run a long distance is patience. Because you know what's going to happen when you're running a long distance? You're going to get tired. You're going to get worn down. There are going to be times you're going to hurt. There are going to be times that there are going to be obstacles there that are going to seem like you can't overcome them. But you know what Paul said? Keep running. Paul said, hey, life's not easy, but keep running. James, the fifth chapter and verse 10 says, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I want you to notice what James is writing that is connected here. He connects patience with enduring affliction. What does it mean to endure affliction? It means it ain't easy. Can you imagine with me what Paul was trying to get across when he was writing this letter to the Hebrews. When he said, time would fail me. There's not enough time or space to write about all of the people who were stoned, who were beaten, who were mocked, who were scourged, who were sawn asunder, chopped up. He uses the word tortured there. You know what Paul was writing? When it hurts, keep running. When you're ready to be done and you're ready to walk off that course, keep running. In Revelation, the second chapter, Revelation, the second chapter in verse 10, I want you to notice that John, in giving this revelation, as he was giving uh, the warning, I believe, to the church at Smyrna here, he says in Romans, the second chapter, in verse 10, 
Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. You know, oftentimes we like to take the last part of that verse and focus only on that, but I want you to notice what he says of these things. He says, fear none of those things you shall suffer. Uh, Which of us enjoys suffering? Suffering wasn't made for what we call enjoyment. Suffering is painful. Suffering hurts. You know what John was telling them at Smyrna? Keep running. Keep on running even when it's painful. Keep running because the end is in your heart. The end is what he's led you to in eternity. And I'll show you that in verse 2. Paul said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be all right, because guess what? God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. It seems so simplistic. That all it took for eternal life was for God to send his son. But there's nothing simple about it. The fact that he sacrificed his son That his son was willing to come and give his life to shed his blood on a cross for you. He said, I've given you everything you need to get that eternity that I've put in your heart. We have one another. We have the ability to examine our lives. And we have the ability and the strength through Him to keep running. It's all going to be all right. If you're not a child of God this morning, you want that promise. If you're not a child of God this morning and haven't been obedient to His will, We beg you and plead with you to recognize the eternity that is in your heart. For there's no other way to receive that eternity but through the blood of His Son. If you are a child of God and there's something we can pray with you or for you, we'd ask you to please come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.